You're listening to Church on the Park Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Today, the message is entitled, Eat, Drink, and Listen. (laughs) Eat, Drink, and Listen. Now, it's not eat, drink, and be merry. This is the opposite of that. Some of you may have remembered the parable with Jesus and the man who built up all these resources and he's going to build bigger barns to hold all of his uh, possessions And he said to himself, "Uh, let me eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow I'm going to, let me eat, drink, and be merry. And he thought he had a long life to live. But it says, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you're going to die. And it was uh, a wake-up call. It's a parable that's a wake-up call. Well, this is the opposite of that. We're going to talk about eating, drinking, and listening. And that will make more sense as we go on. So I'm going to ask if you can stand again, and we're going to sit soon. No, this isn't the Catholic Church. (laughs) Though we love all our Catholic brothers and sisters. I'm just going to read two portions of Scripture. Uh, Revelation chapter 3, 19 through 20, and then John 6, 56, out of the NIV version. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. This is Jesus speaking. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. That's Revelations 3, 19 and 20. And John 6, 56, Jesus says, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them, or abides in me, and I in them, or how I like to translate it is dwells in me, and I in them. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, and while you're seated, we'll pray. Put your hands on your hearts. Say this nice and loud with me. Dear Jesus. We'll do it again. Dear Jesus. Speak to my heart and change my life. In your precious name, amen. And Father, that's what I'm asking this morning, that you would kiss the word, that you would help me make it understandable, uh, break it open, give me grace, and that we would hear your voice. There's no greater treasure than you and your voice. So let us hear your voice this morning, amen. Let me say I'm very grateful for the setup team that came out, there was a good group of you, uh, like Chris and Caleb and Donna and Fran and Anne and Irene and Anna and Valerie, little Valerie was helping. She's the one who put the cards on the chairs for Bible school tomorrow, starting tomorrow. So 
There's a great team helping out and just wanted to thank you. The theme this morning is, is this. Jesus longs to eat and drink with you. Jesus longs to eat and drink with you. So today, we're going to continue to talk about how to dwell with God. And last week, we learned that according to Psalm 91, the great psalm that celebrates God's protection, according to Psalm 91, dwelling in the secret place of the Most High is the key to staying safe in God. Dwelling in the secret place of the Most High is key for us to stay safe in God. Now, staying safe in God doesn't mean that you have no troubles in your life whatsoever. It doesn't mean you have no difficulties. However, your soul, your inner life is protected when you dwell in God in a secret place. And I'm going to teach you about how to do that practically. What happens when you dwell in God and he's dwelling in you is whatever the enemy throws at you is turned for the good. And let's look at the worst case scenario that I'm praying doesn't happen to anybody, but the worst case scenario is that you die and that's just a doorway, if you believe in Jesus, that's just a doorway into eternal life. So that's the worst case scenario, but death is not uh, final in Jesus. It is the doorway into eternal life, into eternal blessing where you're truly safe. But as much as possible, our prayer is that you're blessed and safe in this life. Now, thinking about that also, remember, even the people that were healed by Jesus eventually had to die. Like Lazarus, he was raised from the dead, but he eventually had to die. So uh, death is a part of life, but the good news is that believing in Jesus brings us into eternal life but also the blessing of a long life. That's good, too. We like that. Well, our message is not about that this morning, but I just want to give some perspective. So the first two pointers, and I'm going to pass out this just black and white printed infographic. You can find the colored one on brisbanefire.com. I sent this out this week, too. Um, so if you just take, if you can just take one and pass it around. Thanks, Chris. And this is the infographic I made for you, how to stay safe God's way. And last week, we covered the first two points. Draw close, draw close to God, and worship. And this morning, we're focusing on the middle one. That's what we're going to focus on the most this morning, is the word eat. How do you dwell with God? When you dwell with God, you eat with Him. Where you dwell is where you eat. So we're going to be talking about that as well as listen and linger. But we're mainly going to focus on eat and everything's going to flow from there. And what, it, what, do, I, what do I mean by eat? You know, we're talking spiritually here. And then at the end of the message, I want to share with you more of the prophetic message the Lord gave me on the prayer retreat. I won't be able to finish it, but I will finish it, uh, God willing, next week. Amen. So are we ready? Do we have our seatbelts on? Point one is eat. So, so say that all with me. Eat. Let's say that with some gumption. Eat. 
I do that so that, you know, you, I know how the, our minds wander and the sirens are going here and somebody's playing cricket in the background and, and uh, the ibis is, he likes me, he comes up and all these distracting things just to get us focused. I observed something last year. Many of God's people, and this is worldwide, got bitter, sour, and off track. So across the world, so many people turned their back and left Jesus behind. And it was heartbreaking to see that. But what does this have to do with spiritual eating? Well, we see first, when we start in Revelation chapter 3, verse 19 to 20, we see that Jesus says, here I am. He's talking to the Laodicean church. He's talking to his people. And he's saying, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So in ancient times, Jewish uh, culture, eating was sacred, and it still is in many cultures, uh, un unfortunately a lot in the Western world, and I know that how I grew up, you just kind of got your own dinner and you ate in front of the TV or somebody else, somewhere else, and you didn't eat together as a family. And one of the things I was amazed with when I met Christians, and they shared with me the good news, one of the things I was amazed at is they ate together. And I thought, wow, what a you know, this is, I, you know, I grew up in New York, so in the, in the 80s and the 90s, we stopped eating together. But there, here's these Christians, and they're eating together, and they saw, they saw the meal as important. Have you ever seen the uh, Blue Bloods? Blue Bloods, the uh, cop, uh, cop show? Nobody saw that? Nobody has seen that with Tom Selleck? Did I get the right name? Well, Blue Bloods is good, and every Sunday, the family, they're all cops, and Tom Selleck is the police commissioner, and it's a good, uh, good uh, wholesome show to watch. Uh, got, it has some action in it, uh, but every Sunday, they get around the table, and they eat together, even though their lives are very busy, and they're here and there, they always come back to that table. So in, in the Jewish culture, many cultures... Eating is sacred, and it's so sacred that Peter didn't want to eat with the Gentiles because uh, this is the Apostle Peter. This is an area he struggled with. He didn't want to eat with the Gentiles because if he ate with them, he would be defiled because eating is sharing and fellowshipping, and it's dynamic. It's exchanging your, your life and your heart and the things that are in your heart with one another. And Peter didn't want to eat with the Gentiles. Paul rebuked him. Well, how about the Pharisees? They were all upset because Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinners. Who is this man? Why is he eating with them? He's defiling himself because he's sharing his life with them, and, and they're sharing their lives with him? Oh, this man is not a man of God. That's one of the criticisms that Jesus came under is because he was eating with tax collectors and sinners. Now here in, in, in Laodicea, that church, Jesus says that the church had become lukewarm. They were neither hot nor cold, but they were lukewarm, and that God was about to spew them out of his mouth. That's very strong graphic language. 
Well, what does Jesus long for, for the, with the Laodicean church? What does he long for with his people? He longs to fellowship with them. And he's standing at the door and he's knocking. And he, he wants his people to open up the door and let him come in and dwell. He wants them, he wants them to let him in so that he could dwell with them and they would dwell with him. Now, when you think about dwelling, and we've been thinking about this, when you think about dwelling, when you, when you dwell somewhere, you eat there. You make meals, you eat, you settle down. Where you dwell is where you eat. And in order for us to dwell with Jesus, he wants to eat with us. And he wants us to have that intimate fellowship with him. So let's look at John, let's look at John 6:56 now. Now this is a long passage, and in this, I won't read all of it for the sake of time, but in this, Jesus is saying that he is the bread of life. So what's the food that Jesus is serving? Yeah, he's serving the bread of life. And what is that bread? That is himself. He says he is the food, he is the drink. And we see, we read here John 6, 56. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. This is Jesus speaking. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. It's eternal. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Verse 60, on hearing it, many of his disciples says, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Now here, these words were causing people to stumble. They saw it as hard. It was difficult. And Jesus did say difficult words. And here's the thing about the, the word of God. We need to eat all of it. And not just the portions we like or prefer. We need to eat the whole thing. And here Jesus is saying things that are hard. Now when I was younger, I was a very picky eater. <laughs> and that was some, I think a lot of it had to do with my battles with Crohn's disease. Everything bothered my stomach. Uh, even, even water could induce vomiting if it had too many minerals in it. And so as a, when I was a young teenager, um, there was very little that I could really eat. But, I was, but that, that pickiness of, of not eating all the food that stayed with me for some time until I started fasting. And the Lord led me in fasting. I started fasting, and that broke a lot of that off of me. And then the one big thing was going on a, a missions trip with David Hogan into Mexico for three weeks where we hiked up and down the mountains of Mexico to reach and preach the gospel to the poorest of poor. These are the poorest people in the world in mud huts. All they had was rice, and if they were lucky, they had beans, maybe some meat. But they were very poor, and we went up and down the mountains 
to preach the gospel to them. But you could not go on that mission trip unless, this was when I was in Pensacola, they said, you can't go unless you eat everything set before you. And one time there was this, uh, this thing and the, the pork still had the hair, the hair coming out of it. And I was like, oh, but you had to eat it. Uh, and that was, the, that was the whole condition on going on this mission, mission trip. You had to eat everything. And that really uh, set me free, uh, even though it was, because I really wanted to go. Uh, I really wanted to see David Hogan, because his testimony was hundreds of people were raised from the dead through that ministry. And we got to meet a couple of them that testified before us about how they got prayed for and they were raised from the dead by Jesus and different healings. And it was uh, an amazing experience. Well, that changed my eating habits naturally. But here's the thing with the, the scripture in the Bible. Many people are still picky eaters when it comes to the scripture. Are you following me? We don't want the hard teachings. And then here, here Jesus uh, responds to all of this. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? So there's going to be things that Jesus says, the pastors say, that men of God say, that are going to offend you. Though they're not trying to offend you, they will offend you. And then there's some kind of awful, mean-spirited people that will just try to offend everybody. We're not talking about those people, and we don't want to get the two mixed up. Jesus goes on to say, Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. It's going to take grace to come to Jesus. But here is John 6.66. It's a very easy verse to remember. John 6.66. Now everybody's talking about 6.66 with everything that's been going on in the world. And this is one of the things, though, that I've observed is happening. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. This is when Jesus was saying that he was the bread and to feed off of him and to drink of him. And people misunderstood what he was saying. What is this, some kind of cannibalistic cult? They, they misunderstood, and a lot of them turned back. And basically, if I can sum it up and make it as simple as possible, Jesus is saying that I want to be your everything, and I need to be your everything. And you need to feed off of my words and drink in my life, and that's the only way to dwell with me. That's the only way to abide. But that offended people, and they turned away. And Jesus said, you do not want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. I can relate to that after 2021. But we're looking forward. <laughs> we're looking forward. Verse 68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Jesus' words are eternal life. 
Uh, his words are enduring and eternal, and his words not only have that quantity of going on and on, but that quality of authentic, true life. And so what are we to be eating? We are to be eating the words of God, the words of Christ. We're to be eating the word of God. So it says there in John 6.56, I'm going to do my own translation here to make it understandable. John 6.56, Jesus says, The one who eats my body, my sinless nature, and drinks my blood, my very life, dwells with me intimately, and I intimately dwell with him. I'll read that again. The one who eats my body, my sinless nature, and drinks my blood, my very life, dwells with me intimately, and I intimately dwell with him. Jesus embodies the word of God and everything good about the Father. Jesus embodies grace and truth. So when you're, when you're eating his body and drinking his blood, you're taking in his eternal nature and life. In other words, Jesus is becoming part of you. So you can think about it like a cooking TV show, right? You, has anybody like watching the cooking TV shows? Yeah. And I liked when they were going around uh, Greece and they were in Greek islands and they're showing you their food. And I've been watching one in Italy and they're going around there. So, so some of the only TV you can watch and not be defiled. <laughs> well, Unless it's Mark Ramsey's kitchen and it's every other word is not, a, not safe for the kids, right? But you're watching this cooking show. You're watching them cook and you're seeing the food and it's kind of wetting your appetite. But you're just watching. You get some type of pleasure from watching someone else eat, but it gives no nutritional value to you. You're not eating the food yourself. This is the same way it can be when the word is preached. It can be like you're watching a cooking show and the guy. <laughs> but unless you eat the meal yourself, it's going to have no value for you. And the same goes for when you read the word, you can read the word. And when you're reading the word, it could be more like you're watching a cooking show. But you got to go further, and you've got to actually get the word in you. And when you get the word in you, that means Jesus is becoming a part of your life. And that's where the transformation happens. But usually, we don't make that, like, we don't cross that gap. See, there's like a gap between these uh, grass things, whatever, the grass mats. <laughs> and... Uh, Often we're hearing the word, uh, seeing people maybe practice the word. We may even listen to it or read it, but we haven't made the crossover into actually eating it ourselves. And when you eat it yourself and you start uh, cutting it and chewing it and digesting it, that is when it has the power to transform your life. And this has been a big part of my own healing process 
over the last year, I found that last year was quite traumatic. Dramatic, traumatic. <laughs> so what was I with to, to do? Well, there's two options. You just give up or you run to the Lord. And I just kept the Holy Spirit had me just keep on eating his word, keep on strengthening myself on the inside. And so I spent lots of time eating the word and meditating on it and just enjoying it. And God wants us to enjoy his word, to uh, linger with him, to luxuriate in his word. And it really does have life, and it's a life that comes into your inner being. You may not understand it all, and that's okay. But you will understand some of it, and that's going to, and then as, you're as you put that into practice, what you understand, your understanding and your revelation grows. And that's what we're doing in the Bible school. So if you're interested and hungry, you can... Come and be a part of the Bible school. And if you're a graduate, you can study for free. So, and even if you have financial troubles, we're going to help you because we're not going to turn away anyone who's hungry for God and, and wants to move forward in the Lord. Um, but yeah, the Bible school is there for grads. You can come and, and or you can engage online. So when you dwell with someone, you eat and drink with them. And this, we were singing about love before, and I was thinking about my, my relationship with Anna over the years. And when Anna and I first met, she was in Australia and I was in America. And then we had to part ways, and I never cried more when we had to part, you know, we had to separate. Because we had to separate for like a year, you know. For six months, it was a long time. And I remember my heart, oh, I was, I was longing just to have a meal together. And uh, just to sit down and have a meal together and have that face-to-face -face relationship. Most of our courting was emails and the phone, phone conversations. And then we had to iron things out when we actually... That we, we, when we got married, we hadn't spent much time actually face-to-face. -face. We knew each other's heart, but we didn't know all the quirks. And, of course, Anna was disappointed in what she got when she... Because it was our honeymoon. And you might have known the story. We went out snorkeling up uh, north. And I, didn't want, I was a quite shy person. You know, I'm doing this because God has called me to do this. But I'm naturally, I'm a bit of a shy person, an introvert. So everybody was going out snorkeling. And I was thinking, I don't want to go out with the group. Well, there was a reason why they were all out at that time. It was because it was high tide, but I didn't know anything about coral or Australia. And so I said, we'll go out when everybody else, we'll go out when everybody else comes in. And so when we went out, it was low tide and I started to get cut up in all the coral and there was blood and I started to say and I had my glasses you know my glasses and I had the goggles on my glasses and they were all fogged up and I couldn't see I couldn't see and I'm getting cut up and there's like a little blood and uh, and Anna she has no problem she's out there in the deep water swimming around and I was like Anna save me help me she said she said you're the husband 
you're meant to save me. So she then tried to get as far away from me as possible on the island. I'm sorry, honey, I'm sorry. But I hope I, now it's, it's going to be 23 years, 23 years this year. So hopefully I have improved. <laughs> hopefully I've improved. Um, my dad, you know, my dad, I'll talk about my dad a little tomorrow, my, tomorrow night. My dad is, you know, special forces, Green Beret. And my brother is really excellent at sports. And I was just never as good with them. I was more, uh, as good as them, I was more academic. Uh, but there, the, they got the, the sporty genes and the, the soldier. <laughs> and Gideon's got that too, you know. You know what's happening with Gideon now? He's managing 14 venues. He's only 21, but God has blessed him. He's managing 14 venues with the security company. Uh, and so I think he, it skips a generation. So he's got my, my dad's special forces in him, right? <laughs> yeah. But they pray for him because they're giving him a headache calling him all hours of the night. He has to answer their calls. <laughs> but it's good experience, good experience. With all those stories, I've got a lot more to go. No, <laughs> I won't go too long here. But I want us to think about that first temptation with Jesus. If you go over to Matthew 4.4, how does Jesus respond to this first temptation? Matthew 4.4. 4. Then Jesus was, uh, we'll start in verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So when he's hungry, that's when the devil is going to tempt him. So the devil comes to tempt you when you're weak and wherever you lack. So he's going to tempt him in the area of Eden, eating because he lacks food. So whatever area that you're lacking in, that's where the enemy is going to try to come and tempt you. If you're lonely, he may try to tempt you with a bad relationship. If you're zealous for God, he's going to try to tempt you with bad teaching. Spiritual, but bad teaching. Uh, here, he's tempting Jesus to turn a stone into bread. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, and all this has to do with, hey, prove yourself. If you, have, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And of course, Jesus could have done that. You know, he could do anything. Uh, that the father wanted him to, and he could have made the stones into bread. That was an easy miracle for him. But Jesus did not listen to Satan. He wasn't trying to prove himself. Jesus answered, it is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And this is how Jesus lived in his relationship with the father, by every word that was coming from God's mouth. 
And he noticed he knew the scriptures because he said it is written. So he had the scriptures memorized. And he knew the exact one in this situation that would drive away the enemy and that would keep him from temptation. So again, listen to that. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's clear that we are to eat the word of God and that we should be more dependent on God's word than on physical food. Physical food has some benefit, but it doesn't have eternal benefit. It doesn't feed the spirit. But God's word does. So knowing what is written and how to apply it is critical. And then in the next temptation, interestingly, what is Satan then? Satan says, okay, you're going to quote the word of God? I'll quote the word of God to you. And what section of scripture does he quote from? Can you tell me? Uh, this is the Satan. Yeah. Psalm 91. What have we been meditating on? He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will uh, dwell and stay at rest. He'll stay at rest under the Almighty shadow. This here uh, that... I translated, the one who dwells in the Most High's secret place stays at rest in the Almighty's protective shadow. Well, Satan quotes later from Psalm 91, hey, throw yourself off because if you do, God's going to protect you. So he tries to fight with him with the word of God, but he's distorting the word of God. Satan is distorting the word of God, and Jesus answers, it is also written. This is why we need to know the scripture in context. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. God's word is like a house. You can be on the outside of the house looking in. For example, some people see the house from a distance. As we're looking on the school here, we see the bricks, we see the window, but we're from a distance. We're not inside. Others get a bit closer and they peer into the windows of the house of God's word. Hey, what's in there? Oh, that looks interesting. But the only way the word of God benefits you is if you enter into the house and dwell there. You actually go into the house and that's where you find the food on the table. That's where you find the rest. That's where you find the power. Are you seeing this? And it's, uh, it's tempting for us to think that we, we're close to the word, but we need to be in the word. We're looking at the word. Oh, what a wonderful structure that is. And we look into the windows, oh, that looks quite, quite amazing in there. But we need to go in and dwell in the word of God. Each one of us needs to go past knowledge about the word and press into personally knowing the word of God by dwelling in it. The word of God is like that house. It's of no profit unless you proactively start going to the table, cutting it up, cutting up the word, chewing on it, and digesting it. Now, there's an interesting proverb. It's two times, Proverbs 19.24. And when I woke up this morning, this was on my heart. And we don't want to be like this, okay? I'm not saying you're like this. I'm saying we don't want to be like this. 
Proverbs 19.24. I want us to apply it to the word of God as a meal. A sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He will not even bring it back to his mouth. Can I read that again? Yeah, there should be a little humor in it, right? You know, it's a bit humorous. A, a sluggard or a lazy person buries his hand in the dish. They ate with their hands, you know. He buries his hand in the dish. He will not even bring it back to his mouth. And we can become spiritually lazy where we put our hands in the dish, but we don't bring it back to our mouth and actually eat the word of God and let it become a part of us and inside of us. And that is kind of the danger of religion is that we're hanging around the cross, but we're not getting on the cross as Steve Hill talked about. Or we're hanging around the word, we're watching it, but we're not actually, and maybe we got our hand in the dish, but we're not bringing it to our mouth. And we need to bring the word to our mouth if it's going to have any benefit. Now, last year, what I saw is that there was a lot of people becoming sour and the fruit that was coming from their life was sour and bitter and some of it rotten. And it was like, oh, it, this is not good fruit. And it all, it doesn't, it didn't happen because people weren't trying to be Christians. Good, um, they, they weren't trying hard enough to be good Christians. The reason why that was happening is because people lost that intimacy with Jesus. Because when you're intimate with Jesus, when you're feasting on his word, when you're letting that word become a part of you, you instantly, you automatically, let's say it like this, you automatically become sweet. There's a sweetness, the sweetness of Jesus coming from your life. Yeah, and we had some plums that we bought and you ate it. It was like, ah, this over the summertime. And one time it was watermelon. A bit into it was like, oh, this watermelon, this is... This is not good watermelon. Let's throw it out. And there was a biting. We bought, bought these plums, and they were too sour. But if you get some good fruit, that's enjoyable. Now, when we disconnect from intimacy with Jesus, we become sour and bitter. And so that comes across to our family, to our wives, to our children, to the people around us. And... We become so dogmatic that we're not going to listen to anybody. There's something. So, so let's get back to that intimacy with Jesus, and we will be bearing good fruit. Learn to dwell in the word. See it as a home full of treasure. You need keys to unlock the doors, but the Holy Spirit is willing to give these keys to the humble. So get into the word. That's where the power and joy are found. Don't stand outside the house, looking into the windows, watching everyone else eat the word and experience it yourself. But this takes time. It takes slowing down. It means lingering and luxuriating in the word. You may want, I remember Ram used to, Ram Marrero used to teach us, just start by spending seven minutes with God a day. Open up the word, ask God to speak to you. Like the gospel of John is a great place you can start. And just begin. The key thing is beginning. You may not be able to spend all this long, long time, but you just begin, and then that grows. Remember, where you do, uh, remember when you dwell somewhere, you slow down and relax. 
So with this is the other point, listen. So when you open up God's word and you're reading God's word, you really want to listen to what Jesus is saying. When you sit down to have a meal with someone, you listen to that person. There is an interaction going on. And so when you're sitting down and you're fellowshipping with Jesus and you're eating his word, the whole goal is to listen and get that, eat that word and listen and let it get inside of you. Listening to God's word transforms you. So that's the second point, and, and we're pretty much finished here. So what I do is I open up the scripture, I read it, and I ask God for help in understanding it. And then I listen to what he says through it. It's just that simple. You open up the word, you read it, you ask God to speak to you, and, and you start to you think about it. You may carry it around throughout the day, and you're chewing on it. And then all of a sudden, the life that's in it starts to become a part of you. That's the power of the Word of God. So as we come to an end here, last week, as I was listening to Jesus, he began to speak to me out of that windstorm that was on the Sunshine Coast. And I was on a prayer retreat there for a few days. And I'm going to share more of what he said to me. The first part is in the message from last week. And I'll share some this week, and then I'll share some next week. And this is the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And I wrote as the Holy Spirit was moving me to write. And this is what the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. Over the last few years, strong winds have been blowing. It breaks my heart that my people have been tossed around by every wind and wave of doctrine. That's from Ephesians. They have chosen fads over me, running after those who say what their itching ears want to hear. It's time for my people to be rooted and grounded in Jesus the Messiah and grow in maturity. They are not loyal to one another because they are not loyal to me. A couple of days ago, as you looked at the trees, it looked like all the branches were attached. This is the Lord speaking to me. But then my strong winds blew and the loose branches were exposed. They were all on the ground. This is a time for my people to learn the depths of wisdom hidden in John chapter 15. You know, abide in me and I'll abide in you. Dwell in me and I'll dwell in you. Or remain in me and I'll remain in you. It could be said a number of different ways translating from the Greek. That Greek word is meno. As it, uh, and it goes on. The wind will draw you close to me if you let it. The wind will speed up my work. The sailor can get to their destination quicker in strong winds. The skilled sailor has learned to harness the wind. The wind makes the waves of my spirit stronger. The wind causes my seeds to be carried further. For those who know me, the wind is their friend. And I guess the Lord was winking at me because he knows that I don't really like wind too much. Now, Anna... She lived in Wellington and uh, in Auckland, too. But Wellington is known for its wind, windy Wellington. 
And when, it's, when there's a storm, Anna's just like, yeah, a storm, let's watch it. She wants to kind of go out there and be among the thunderbolts. <laughs> and she wants to be praising the Lord. And I just want to be like, I don't want to be rained on and wind blowing. And... But here the Lord is telling me the wind is your friend. And this is, of course, a meta- metaphorically, spiritually, he's speaking. There has been strong wind blowing, but this is going to increase the speed of the gospel. And the fragrance of Christ is going to spread further. And it's going to cause us to be more, uh, we need to draw closer to Jesus to stay attached. It's going to cause us to eat the word of God more. And it's, sometimes it's painful when you lose friends and all these people forsook Jesus and they turned their back. And that would have been painful for Jesus and the disciples because the disciples would have, been thought, would have been thinking, hey, you know, everybody was following us. This was exciting. Thousands and thousands. And now it's just us. Oh, man. Everybody's run. What, is, what has happened to our quote-unquote church? But Jesus was telling them, it's about me, fellowshipping with me. And they would especially understood what he was saying when he rose from the grave and the Holy Spirit was poured upon them. So some of what Jesus was speaking to me It was hard to hear. Some of it was sad. But like that, it pains me to see so many people tossed by every wind and wave out there, every fad of teaching, all these strange things that are out there on the Internet. And like I've been saying, all throughout that time, please, let's be feeding off the word, not Mr. So-and-so from the Internet who has the latest theory on all the conspiracies of the world. But let's get back to the scripture and eat it. Yes, there's lots of evil out there. But looking at evil is not going to help you be righteous. It's looking at Jesus who is righteous that's transformative. So what are we looking at? What are we beholding? So fellowshipping with Jesus is about eating the whole word even the hard sayings. And it's even sharing in his sorrow. You can hear that the Lord is speaking to me here that it's breaking his heart that people are tossed here and there by every wind and wave of doctrine, teaching. That's what doctrine means. But we need to share in God's sorrow if we're going to share in his genuine joy. So if we can all stand, we're going to pray. The last point I want to say is linger like I. So if we spell out what we've been learning, it all spells dwell over the last two weeks. The D is draw close. The W is worship. The E is eat, and that's what we've been focusing on. The L for dwell is listen. And then the next L is linger. And all of these are pointers to help us actually dwell with God and be intimate with Him. And that's how I actually believe the Lord wants us to start the year, is that intimacy with Him and not losing that intimacy with Him. And just loving, loving being with Him. Can I hear an amen?
So we're going to just spend some time worshiping him, and then we're going to, we're going to close. And if you, if you need prayer, uh, feel free to ask for prayer too. So, Father, we want to say yes to your word. We say yes to your word. We say yes to your son, Jesus. We say yes to your Holy Spirit. We hear you knocking on the door and you're saying, here I am. And we want to open up the door to you. And right now, Lord, we open up the door with, to you that you would sit with us and eat with us and we would have that fellowship that you so long for, that we would eat and drink from you. And Jesus, you would be our greatest feast. And Jesus, your words would be our greatest treasure. And that in all the wind, it's trying to knock us over. It's knocking things over. It's knocking people away. All the strong wind that's going on in the world today. We know that we can be safe and solid if we're in you. Lord, we're not imagining that there's no troubles but we know that in you, you turn everything around. So, Father, we're bringing our lives to you. We're bringing our hearts to you. Draw us deeper and further. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in this church. Thankful, thank you for the beautiful people that are here that love you. Thank you for the smallest child to the oldest one. I thank you for everyone, Father. And as we worship you, I pray that you touch our hearts and draw us close. So right now, we're just going to worship for a song. We won't go too long, but our, our goal is to just practice what we've been learning uh, over the last couple weeks. <laughs>